0: Welcome to Coastline Church. Seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Well, it's been a glorious couple of weeks. Uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor uh, Linda covered several chapters out of Acts. And uh, I just want to... uh, point out just a couple things before we end up in chapter 7 today. Um, Pastor Steve, when he was talking about, uh, you know, the very sober thing where you never want this to happen, just in case you're wondering, if you're ever, you know, at church, you don't want to see two people drop dead that doesn't tend to, it's not seeker-friendly, you know. So anyway, um, I thought that it was interesting that two people died and that that could possibly have been a mirror to maybe some of the uh, religious people who understood the Torah but maybe had forgotten um, that maybe, just maybe, this could be another clue to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Because if you remember in Leviticus 10, which I was rereading that section there of the two priests that dropped dead in the Old Testament, it was actually Aaron's uh, oldest son and Aaron's second oldest son. And I would think that they, of all people, should have known better. But uh, they donned, one of them donned the the turban that said, Holiness unto the Lord. And... Um, and went in uh, when they were not bid to give strange fire and they dropped dead. However, it's even more interesting that Nadab means willing or liberal and Abihu, which this is the name of the sons, don't name your kids this, um, Abihu was named he is father. So I just wonder, it's just one of those things I wonder, a childlike wonder, could, could it have been that since the priesthood that Jesus, that God himself personally put into place with the one because remember their names meant everything their names meant everything that was willing and liberal and he is father maybe it was just too much it just it just uh, totally desecrated the name of God and so maybe in that in that culture in that time that was a very just thing to do In the New Testament, I like Steve's take on it where he said um, that God was not gonna have this happen because this was too serious. This was the beginning of the New Testament church. And um, so I thought that was very, very interesting And that he even brought up the idea that some people think, well, these people weren't really saved and he didn't buy that. I didn't buy that either. Um, Also, there's one other thought that has been instituted pretty strong, uh, but I don't see like where they get this, is that possibly that Ananias and Sapphira, the ones who dropped dead, um, were still believing in the old covenant. And so in the old covenant, if something like this happened, uh, you die. So um, I don't really buy that one either, but I like past, what Pastor Steve had to say there. Uh, Pastor Lindo when she went on and she was discussing the reputations of Stephen and then uh, comparing it with Saul, you know Stephen was the first martyr and then um, we find ourselves now in, in chapter 7 where I'm going to be going today is the trial of Stephen and um, already in this time it seemed to the people if they were like looking at things that it was like Everything was upside down. Everything they ever believed, you know, first you have these, these rules and laws, but then, you know, Jesus goes and says, well, if you even think it, you've done it. You know, so it was kind of like already upside down in their minds and crazy. Um, but these are people with Jewish roots and, and they're uh, going on to Samaria, they're going on to Jerusalem. Now they're going towards north to Damascus um, where where uh, Linda did mention where Saul was stunned and speechless when he uh, uh, was knocked down by the Lord to have a little come to Jesus moment you know mm-hmm. so let's start with uh, chapter 7 verse 1 and Lord I just thank you I just feel your presence so strong today not that we have to have it but it's really nice when it's there. Mm-hmm. and and so Lord we just thank you that we thank you for your word we thank you for your presence we don't we just don't uh, take advantage of it and Lord we just uh, once again establish that you are Lord and that's the banner over us and over this uh, family called coastline in Jesus precious name chapter 7 beginning with verse 1 then the high priest asked Stephen Are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. By the way, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, so if you want to follow along in yours, that's great too. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. It's really interesting uh, and probably not very noticeable to most people that this word, Glorious God, hadn't even been uh, said but one time before in Psalms 29. So unless they had read it in the Psalms, they would not have read it. So it's very interesting to me that this is appearing again. And the only term that's kind of similar where we get our Psalms of the King of Glory, that would come out of Psalms 24 7 through 10. But this glorious God, we're gonna hear more about it in verse uh, 55, so I won't belabor the point. Going on to verse four. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even a square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants even though he had no children yet. Verse six, God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end, they will come out and worship me here in this place. Verse eight, God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at this time. So when Abraham came, became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs of the Israelite nations. I thought it, I thought it was interesting that the Lord chose to have a relationship with Abraham even before he entered into the covenant that's how much he wanted to have relationship with Abraham and as you can tell it touched my heart Um, I'm not sure why but it just touched my heart really deeply that even in the Old Testament he entered into relationship with Abraham before this covenant actually happened and so um, uh, I also sorry um, for, for God to work in Abraham in my thoughts he had to leave his, um, his land and if you notice here it said that he didn't even enter into him uh, enter into it till his father died or is that the next page and I'm jumping the gun here um, which was the known idolatry was verses five through seven which we just read and we'll hear a little bit more about in the rest of this um, sermon that Stephen is giving. So he saw the promised land only after his father died. So I I'm not sure what that's all about except to say that perhaps the last of the idolatry and stuff had to be finished before he was going to see that promise. So as we approach verse 9 The Holy Spirit through Luke is making a point here, and we see another example of Israel's blindness and not accepting God's hand on Joseph or accepting the prophetic dreams that God gave him. You know, most of us, and we've talked about this before, so I won't belabor the point, but most of us kind of just identify more with the brothers and just saying, oh, you're stuck on yourself, and like we're not going to listen to you, and not only that, but... They decided they would sell him and everything. But I think that the Holy Spirit, through Stephen speaking here, is trying to make the point, once again, you ignored God's person of the hour. Once again, you ignored God's promises. And that that grieved the Holy Spirit. Okay, verses 9 and 10. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt so he sent his sons our ancestors to buy some again he's he's recounting to them he's trying to help them to see and remember the second time they went verse 13 Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers and they were introduced to Pharaoh then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt seventy-five persons in all verse 8 verse 15 so Jacob went to Egypt he died there as did our ancestors their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem verse 17 as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased but then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. Verse 19, This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. Verse 21, When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue him, but they didn't. The next day, he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? So apparently, um, again, the prophecy was forgotten. That was in Genesis 15, 13 to 16 that told precisely how long Israel would remain in Egypt, which was 400 years. So he's recalling them to mind, and these aren't the dummies that he's before the council. These are the ones that should know the word of God, the Torah. Verse 27, but the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian today? verses 29 when Moses heard that he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian there his two sons were born 40 years later in the desert near Mount Sinai an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush now just so you know if, in case you forgot um, but probably you haven't this is pretty well known 40 years is always the number of testings and trials I just find it funny that here's, here's Moses as a baby, beautiful baby, and then just like one day, 40 years later, and then it goes on again after he kills the guy um, and thinks everyone's gonna say he's the hero of the day, then now it's 40 years later. So Moses is getting up there in years by now, <laughs> by the time he gets that burning bush experience. Uh, verse 31, there's hope from me. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Smart man. (laughs) Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them now go for I am sending you back to Egypt one more please so God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded who made you a ruler and judge over us through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him in Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. Again, just as their fathers forgot this council and the nation had forgotten Moses' promise, he had said that there would be a greater Moses, which we now know is Jesus. And as a result, they were not expecting the second Moses and they were just consumed in their religious actions verse 39 but our ancestors refused to listen to Moses they rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt they told Aaron make us some gods who can lead us for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt so they made an idol shaped like a calf and they sacrificed to and celebrated over this thing they had made. Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods. In the book of the prophets, it is written, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? Continuing on. No, you carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Molech, remember that was the one they sacrificed uh, babies to, the star of God, Raphon, and the images you made to worship them, so I will send you into exile as far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. Verse 47, but it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? And he was, uh, Stephen was quoting from Isaiah 66, uh, 1 and 2. And he was making, obviously, the comparison that okay, um, not that they had brick, but that kind of idea of the brick and mortar, the building has become more important that the, than the God that you worship in that building. Ouch. Then he goes on to have choice more choice r- words, Stephen. <laughs> you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Again, not very secret friendly. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so did you. Name one prophet your ancestors did persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. Again, he's exposing the great hypocrisy of the council right there. And um, in some readings that I've read in this particular area it starts getting worse and worse and worse (laughs) by the council there's lots of sounds and grinding teeth and all that it just but it goes on Stephen goes on you deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Steve's accusation Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage no doubt (laughs) but verse 55 has come. (laughs) But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand, and he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So some people feel like that, even back to where Pastor Linda was talking about Um, the beginning of the trial, that his face shone like an angel, that he was already in an open vision then. And some people feel like this is where the open vision actually came, uh, right at this point. So either way, it's expressing the glory of God. But did you notice what the glory of God defined? Did you notice that? Let's, Let's read the verse again just to see if you get it. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I never really noticed that the glory of God, I thought always that the glory, everything went to Jesus when we're talking about glory, but this was the Father. It was the glory of the Father, and then he was saying, and uh, Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That just touched my heart so much because if I had an open vision and, and I was seeing the glory of God, like we were singing about earlier, the glory of God and Jesus at the right hand, I don't think anything I would feel, anything. I would just be so enthralled with just having that awe and wonder of seeing the Lord and his Father as glory. Just really uh, touched my heart. But, story goes on, verse 57, Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, you may not know this because probably you're not like me on Saturday night, you're not looking up. uh, What was the protocol for stoning, you know? But let me tell you, the protocol was not followed. They were ticked off. They were really ticked off. They were gnashing their teeth, like I previously said, and um, they're rushing at him (laughs) to drag him out of the city to stone him and um and do you notice the accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul? Saul who becomes Paul? Mm -hmm. I didn't think anything of this I thought well I'm not sure why it said it although to me if something specifically has said even if I don't understand it for sure it means something and as I was looking a little bit about that into that and researching that a little bit that was an honor that what that meant was Saul was some person of honor and so these people before they're going to carry out the rules of the law they're throwing their cloak at Paul's feet uh, kind of like you know aye aye sir is is the way I looked at it there so uh, on to 59 as they stoned him Stephen prayed Lord Jesus receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. It's just another little tiny indication of them breaking protocol. But he could not be falling to his knees if they were following protocol because there was a specific protocol And I won't get into it since children are here, but there was even down just so much steps from different things happened. And um, so again, he's making making the emphasis here that as Stephen was looking to the Lord, that he had the boldness to say, don't charge them with this sin. And I just thought, wow, Lord, wow, an an unnatural calm, and a natural peace must have been upon Stephen, and God forbid. But if it ever comes down to us having to um, stand for our faith, I pray that we would be bold in that. In Acts, um, I think it was Acts six, but it might have been five. Um, yeah, it was five, um, verse. So um, somewhere between 33 and 42, but it was in chapter five of Acts. I'd like to just uh, close with this. I've I've had a um, I've had a burden because I see um, so many people, us included, that. Um, sometimes we allow issues of the day which remember pastor steve even talked about he he thought that that was very odd that there was some wild political things going on during there but it's not even mentioned it it was just mentioned hearing jesus doing what he was said to do kind of thing i thought that was another good point that pastor steve brought up but i have been concerned about uh, you know whatever side of the aisle maybe there's more than two to opinions about various and sundry things that are uh, are issues today and i've been very concerned about it because um, every party within the body of christ that i associate with in this county and, and all um, everyone thinks that they're totally right and that they're totally bible and they're totally following god and the rest of them are not walking in love, no matter what side of the uh, the aisle that they're on. And so I'm like, Lord, how how can we be in unity, which you've called us to be in unity? How do we do that? How, how do we even pray? Because maybe what I think is correct is only correct because of my algorithms, you know? <laughs> maybe it's not correct. And I feel like that the Lord just gave me a little thing that maybe you would join me in prayer. I'm gonna pray it today. But um, he said, Gamal- Gamaliel's advice, and he was a trained, very respected uh, Pharisee who I personally believe, believed Jesus was was Messiah, right? And it says here, um, he, he mentioned an example of something that happened before where there was some cult and it got us started and then the next thing you know, it was gone. And so then he, he mentioned that, but he says, and, and he's telling the people to not you know, hurt them. Of course, they didn't listen to him, but he says, and now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or, or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God." And so um, I was reminded of an older lady that is an intercessor friend of mine that was training me back in the day when I first came here, um, over 30 years ago. And she got out of that scripture a way to pray because she knew she was wise enough to know that she didn't have all the answers no matter what she had researched. And she said, Francis, I just pray that the plans of man come to nothing and that the plans of God will stand. And I thought, well, at least that's a good beginning point. And then um, other than that, it's case by case. When one person is front of you, what is the Lord telling you to speak to them then speak? Or what is the Lord telling them to speak to me? And then they speak. So I'd like to close in prayer, and um, if uh, Linda or Miranda or anyone else um, doesn't have something to add to it, yes, no, maybe so. Okay, um, is that a yes, Linda, or no? No, you did good. <laughs> okay, all right. So Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you saw that this was valuable to put this uh, trial in there, and uh, Stephen's speech to the council, Lord. Lord, we pray that by your very spirit that you will work it deep into our hearts and that we would be transformed by your word, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that the plans of man will come to nothing and that the plans of God would stand according to your word, Lord, May the plans of men come to nothing and may the plans of God stand. And I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. Glorious one, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.